0: Welcome to the Rise Science Podcast. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of sitting down with a true luminary in corporate sales, Lars Nilsson. Currently, Lars is vice president of global sales development at Snowflake, the data warehousing company that just went public for a whopping $33 billion. Over his career, Lars has taken four companies public, Cloudera being the most recent, and coined the term account-based sales development, which many of you on the show have probably heard, and it is one of the most effective inside sales methodologies widely in use today. I am really excited to talk with Lars today to understand how he arrived at the conviction that sales success in a space where the tools, techniques, and strategies are constantly evolving rests on one fixed idea, get the human side of selling right. Lars, welcome to the show.
1: Jeff, uh, it's amazing. Uh, We've known each other now for at least two, if not three years through our connection at True Ventures, and uh, I never thought that you and I would I'd uh, be doing this, but I'm excited. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's great. I actually remember, and maybe we can get to this later, one of our very first meetings before True Invested, when we first met, uh, I was t- you know t- talking through this idea about sleep and sales teams. And you looked at me with like mouth agape, basically saying, Jeff, if I brought this up to my corporate team, I would literally get laughed out of the room. I would get laughed out of the room. There is no way sales teams are going to be thinking about sleep. And uh, here we are a couple of years later and just so curious to see, you know, what changes are happening in the world of sales um, and, and we'll get into it. But I actually want to start with your background. And one of the things that I think is unique about you is... Uh, just the number of different rodeos you've had, the number of teams you've been a part of and, um, and obviously just get jumping back from true ventures and helping teams build their sales motions to uh, really operating again at, at world class scale. Um, so really curious to, to go from and help me understand and, and our listeners understand how you went from you know school to uh, you know Xerox training, what you learned there and, and really how that got you to this point where you're running global sales development at, at Snowflake.
1: Yeah, and I'm not exactly sure the makeup of your audience, but if there's any of you out there that are younger in your careers, maybe just starting out your careers, um, pay attention because this has paid dividends for me my entire career. Even today, after 34 years post-college, people still, when they look at my profile and they see Xerox Corporation as the first job I got after college, if you're anywhere close to my age, everyone knew back in the 80s that Xerox did it the best. They, they trained their new hire sales employees uh, the best. They enabled them. Uh, they uh, trained them. They managed them. Uh, they led them better than anyone. And when I look back today at the first manager I ever had, um, even the district manager and the regional vice president, um, and the touch points that I had with them, I still 34 year late, 34 years later, realize that they were the best. And so, mm-hmm. when you see what really, really good looks like right out of the gate in your career, then the bar gets set. Um, and so, when you start interviewing with other companies, uh, and you don't, you don't see that, um, stay away because it doesn't take, but your first really bad manager for you to realize how important really good leadership is. And, you know, they say that uh, when someone decide, decides to leave a company, they're basically firing their manager, uh, whether it's the culture uh, cultural aspects. Um, and so I just think that's really, really important to be very intentional about the companies that you decide you want to look at to work at um, and to make sure that you bet not just the product not just the space but who is running the company and you know i've spent a lot of times eight years now as a revenue advisor for true ventures and you know 100 percent of the ceos and the founders that i'm helping right out of the gate they're not necessarily business people the average founder is a brilliant mind they have an idea many of them are design or product oriented focused or engineering minded um, it's not like they've built a business before. They've never put a cash register uh, on the back end of their brilliant idea. And that's my job. Okay. Um, and, uh, and that's what I love doing, right? Monetizing. Um, and I've been in sales my entire career, uh, except now, six weeks ago when I joined Snowflake. They put the organization that uh, I'm on top of into marketing, so I'm now in marketing.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're. <laughs> marketer, I love it. You're a first time marketer. Yeah, and I love it. So, what when you think back to those Xerox days, and you mentioned the relationship you had with your manager um, and your RVP, like what were those things that stood out to you? That the the emotion that you had walking into work, like what did it actually feel like? And what were, I don't know if there's like one story you have from Xerox where you feel like, ah, that thing, that story, the one time they made me feel that way, that's going to stick with me and that has stuck with you.
1: Well, I just remember the communication. I mean, they over communicated, right? I come in as a 22-year-old, you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed kid not knowing much of anything other than I've got fire in the belly. And uh, it's like, put me in, coach, and I'm going to, I'll do whatever. Um, and that's all you really have as a young person getting into your first job, but the, just the communication from my manager, from the district manager, my team, uh, There was constant communication uh, and direction. Um, I never had to think about what am I going to do, right? They, uh, I had plans for every day, every week, every month, um, and that cadence is extremely important for a young person starting their sales career because...
0: Uh, You know, do you
1: start by just going out into your territory and start walking up and down the street, knocking on doors, hoping to sell a copier? Or are you going to do pre-call planning and make sure that you take the best route through your territory and hit uh, a set of target accounts and maybe do research on the personas that you're trying to get in front of? And in my case, it was office managers. Um, And so I think uh, I learned how to be intentional about how to start my day, week, and month and I had a plan, and I, it was, it was program managed um, by my manager, and uh, we shared best practices around, uh, you know, the team, Um, you know, both good stories and bad stories, and that open communication, um, a lot of salespeople, they're lonely, right, they're, they they have their book of business, they have their pitch, and it's like, okay, I can do this, uh, uh, you know, on their own, and, you know, I've, ended up in the Valley building, uh, you know, inside sales or sales development teams, Um, they're very reliant, in my opinion, on each other to help bring them up. You know, when you get the phone slammed in your face, uh, back in the day it was the door slammed in your face. Now it's uh, either an email delete or someone that never picks up your phone. It's tough after four straight hours of getting nothing, no human interaction and connectivity. Uh, And I think when I build my teams, I like to do them in offices. And, and of course, that's out the window today uh, with COVID. But um, it's important to have that human connection for salespeople to realize they're not in this alone. And, um, you know, there's always someone on the team that has had a win, um, had a loss and, you know, share, get better together.
0: So it seems like one of the takeaways for you coming into that was you didn't just have energy and potential, there was a daily plan, there was a monthly plan, there was a quarterly plan, and that was something that that you've taken forward along with just a level of openness and communication of the wins and losses of the ups and downs in sales.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, God, I'm sure Xerox at the time had over 200,000 employees, and so to get alignment in that big of an organization. My district, the Long Beach District, you know, with all the service, support, sales, we probably had, we had hundreds. I mean, that was a small district in in a city in LA, and we probably had 20 uh, districts. Um, Communication and alignment, uh, chain of command, I learned how important all those things were um, in the early days. And when when I got my first uh, gig within and, uh, you know, and these were 1995, I got a job with a uh, venture-backed startup called Portal Software. Of course, um, it was chaos, uh, and there was very little, of. Uh, and everyone was just, you know, I, I did 13 jobs. And my boss did right. 17 jobs, and um, everyone just was kind of all hands on deck. But, um, and you did things a little bit in a vacuum, and, and, and the communication and alignment and chain of command just didn't exist in that frenetic frantic environment and in my opinion one of the only ways you scale as a young company that's just got their seed checked and as you begin to put people on your team communication and alignment and chain of command will be one of the biggest reasons that you end up scaling and moving up (laughs) Um, and, and not just culture but in pipeline generation and revenue which is really what um what drives the business uh, right. and i think those companies that are singularly focused on generating pipeline that turns into revenue and you know you can have engineers that are revenue focused you can have support personnel that are revenue focused it's not just salespeople, and i think as you align around revenue goals and sharing those and, and getting everyone involved in um, you know, getting that big deal that we want to get over, and you know what, we may need some help from the engineering folks to put in right. whatever it is. And so, it is definitely a team. Selling is a team sport across all departments in the company.
0: And and I think in sales, I mean, we all know that going four hours trying to ha- find human connection with your customers or prospects and just getting shut down for four hours. I mean, that's it's a hard job. And so building that team camaraderie and, and the human side of that is just seems so critical. So one of the things that I, I'm really interested in, I, I you know, as you took the job with Snowflake, um, you posted an article on LinkedIn. And one of the things that you said, and I'm going to quote this, you said, you know, the underlying requirements to be successful today are to be authentic, to be human, and to build great people. And so, you know, a lot of folks in your role would talk about, you know, some new lead generation technology, which, you know, the ins and outs of the entire stack, you know, you'd be talking about some new strategy or some new build on, on ABSD, you know, account-based sales development that, that, that you're working on. But you decided to focus on saying, you know, that all that stuff is changing and improving. What matters and where, where my head goes is, you know, how do we be authentic? How do we be human? And how do we build great people? Tell me a little more about what inspired that thinking in a sort of world where most people are focused on, we just have to generate revenue, and to do that, we just have to hit numbers, and to do that, we need the right tools, you know, strategies, tech in place. Like, what are your thoughts on this human side?
1: Yeah, so I look at uh, those people in my life that I've looked up to, whether they're mentors, um, leaders, but the people that inspired me to want to be better, and um, it. It it always came down down to them caring about me, and letting <laughs> me know that they cared. Um, and there's just something that happens when you realize when there's someone that you look up to, and they help they make you realize that they care about you. You know, and I'm talking deep kind of connection. And when you understand that they do truly care about you, they care about your family, they care about your health. And, you know, I've had some things happen in my family life, and my personal life, um, where I shared and they cared. And when someone cares about you, there's loyalty. There is energy that is uh, flowing between and chemistry. And um, I've been lucky to have been cared for by some of the most incredible leaders that I've ever worked for. And what happens? I follow them. Right? I follow them from company to company. I followed a uh, gentleman by the name of Tom Riley, whom I met at ArcSight. And uh, when he came calling after he became the CEO of Cloudera, I literally put down the company that I was building um, where I, when I was operating as a consultant for True Ventures to go back and work for him again because of that loyalty and that connection that he created by... Um, letting me know just how important I was, not just in his life, but to the company that he was building back at ArcSight. I mean, the amount of self-esteem and confidence that I got from that exchange is what I want also to do when I build my own teams. And it's been an unbelievable seven weeks at Snowflake um, coming in. And again, I've got now 34 years uh, to look back on in a career having built some incredible teams but also having some epic failures and I do I feel like I'm operating at a really really kind of high level today and it's it's never been more fun now the other four teams that I've built uh, in the valley these you know demand gen SDR teams I did so when and I came into these companies relatively early at seed stage at series a where culture really hadn't been built yet and I was a part of Doing the heavy lift from me, and then hiring my first rep, and then building a global organization—completely different this time. I am drafting into a company. I drafted in the week before they had a, you know, their IPO. But the organization—it's about a hundred-person organization. There's frontline leadership. There's second-line leadership. There's process. There's controls. There's 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 assets. There's there's technology stack already built. Nicolette Moenek's tip of the cap to, uh, tap, cap to her. She built this team over the last two to four years. I'm just coming in and taking over. You know, she did the heavy lift. Uh, yeah. And also a gentleman by the name of Mark Wendling. And um, I come in now with you know 20 years of doing similar things. So I've seen a lot of the uh, the things that are headed my way, and I'm heading them off the path. You know, we're creating efficiencies which as a public company you have to be able to prove and do more with less right. uh, and i'm coming in with best practices that are proven that i've proven over my career um, and yes and you know and they worked 20 years ago at portal and they worked at riverbed technologies and they worked at site and they worked at cloudera the the slight difference in each company and as you know Uh, one year went to five years, one to 10 years, one to 20 years, the technology, the science of sales got better. The science of marketing got better. And we now replacing a lot of human motions and interactions with, um, systems and process, um, and data, uh, that, um, is allowing us to surgically target the right companies, the right people in those companies. And even now the right time to go, into those companies because we can see signals and hear signals out there uh what certain people are doing and and i think that's kind of the you know when i started understanding a little bit more about what rise science was all about and you said lars this is what we're doing we think there's an opportunity for inside sales reps and all i could think of was when i was a inside sales rep at xerox you know 34 years ago and what made me Sharper and better than anyone was getting up earlier and, and working harder longer and smarter and staying up later sleep yeah. was Sleep it was like a badge of courage if uh, you pulled an all-nighter because you had three proposals to get um, And so I just I didn't make the connection and of course now with all the science um, And all the data that you're pulling out of course, you know, and especially in today's world. I mean sleeps everything and it's just really great to see all of the attention now being given to, you know, the human uh, heart, the emotional side, and how sleep is, is such a big, big part of that.
0: Well, I wonder, one of the things you you said that's super interesting to me is data, technology, that the science has evolved of selling over the last 30, 40 years that you've been in the industry, and it's changed how you've done things. And I, I wonder what the implications are for that. Is that sort of because we're able to automate a lot of things that maybe were more machine-like. 30, 40 years ago, you had to have humans doing machine-like things because the machines weren't good enough yet. But there's still an element of sales, and I'm curious maybe where you see this in your teams today, where that human element, the human empathy, human connections matter most. And definitely one area is how do you replace your ability to inspire your team and lead your team? You know, No tool or technology is gonna do that. Where do you see that on the front line? You know, so if certainly on management being great caretakers and truly caring for the people below them seems like you know a critical part of of your learning over over time. Where do you see the sort of uh, trajectory of inside sellers? You know, where that, that human connection matters now that data is automating a lot more of you know data and machines are automating a lot more of what they were doing before.
1: Yeah, it's a lot harder. I mean, the world you know five six seven months ago went from Predominantly an outside sales-oriented world. Now every single outside seller on the planet has become an inside seller, and uh, and that has presented right. There's no more steak dinners and ball games and golf matches and things like that that I think a lot of enterprise-class solution sales people used as a way to get to know someone better. Um, but you still have to prove value. Uh, and it, proving value um, often today comes in the form of stories. And those are stories that salespeople can tell and relay from things they've learned from other places that they have had success selling their product, their service, their solution. And I think in the in the storytelling is where the human connection has to come out because in my opinion, the only way you sell s- Something to anyone is if you educate them and you inspire them to want to learn more about it. And Mm -hmm. um, sellers today are in the education and inspiration business. And I think it's best, uh, it comes out of of telling stories because at the end of a sales cycle, right, here is my beautiful piece of technology or or thing. Um, We all know that I want a pile of cash for that, right? It's an exchange that happens after a dance that takes, you know, whether it's one day, two months, or two years. Um, and I've been a fan. I mean, I started my sales career selling one of the most competitive pieces of hardware on the planet. It was a copier. And it, I also had a, a quota for selling typewriters and fax machines. And all three of those were really at the core of uh you know business transformation <laughs> thirty years ago. I don't think many of your listeners have even seen a typewriter. They may have heard what a fax machine is, but yeah. A copier is something that very few people have either. Um but, digital transformation. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Um uh but uh you know in the in my in my journey in the valley I've been at the front end of really complex, you know, software uh you know, kind of solutions that uh, are not nice to have, they're have to have. They're, they're you know, without CRM, for instance, without right. uh, some of the solutions that I've been selling in the Valley, um, you're, not, you're not as competitive. And so uh, I've always put myself into a position where I'm on the team that sells a have to have, not a nice to have. Um, and I think that's another um lesson for your uh, audience is if you're selling a widget you're selling you know something that 20 other people have then price becomes your lover most often it's very difficult to differentiate um a commodity type uh you know xerox the technology in a xerox copier was the same in a in a canon copier in a meta copier in a seven copier, copier and so differentiation we couldn't do on technology. We had to do it. Our, our service organization could, you know, run a, run a service technician in a car faster than they could. We had more of them. Hmm. Um, our toner, our paper had less dust. And so you had less jams in your copier. I mean, these are the things that we had to differentiate, not necessarily on the technology. And so I think as a seller, you have to learn very quickly what sets you apart from your competition, um, and then you have to build an ROI story, uh, or a total cost of ownership story, because you will end up in procurement at some point And they're going to want to understand um, just what do I get for? What do I get when I buy Rise Science? Right? And we've talked right. about this, Jeff, just how totally. much more productivity, your team, whether that's an NFL team, or that's an inside sales team, is gonna get incremental if they get a better night's sleep. Um, anyway, um, so yeah.
0: But I think that's uh, it's it, you know it's interesting to think about what at least what you're talking about is sort of the the constant push and pull between um, you know figuring out the story that you tell. The organization, you know, partly the organization you join is your choice as a, as a seller, as a, as, as, you know, really anyone looking, I mean, you chose to go to Snowflake, because of the story that you'd be able to tell in, in some part. And I think that what's so interesting about that is being able to look at the end of the quarter and saying, instead of the leads you generated, or the conversations you had, it's how many good stories were you able to tell? And those are those moments that are going to convert and inspire and educate customers. And that's where things like what you're saying is, how do you make sure that you're feeling cared for for management? How do you make sure that when you're coming in every day, you know, you start your day, you're feeling like your best version of yourself? Because to to inspire, uh, you you have to be, you have to, there's a great book called Lead Yourself First, but you sort of have to lead yourself first to get to that point. Um, and so that's the, what maybe the, the, the thing that's fascinating here is that, as data and technology and systems have evolved, it's really highlighted the seller's ability to focus on storytelling. And that's what, you know, seems like that's what we have left, uh, which is, which is important. Um, one thing I'm curious about, and, and then we'll get to our last question is time just ramps so fast. Um, but uh, coming into Snowflake, you've done this, you've built teams from the ground up, How, taking over the team, seeing the state of it, surveying it. I mean, I would imagine you're still listening and learning about how that team operates. Uh, anything new, any, intent, any new intentions that you have coming into running this team uh, than you did at all your previous teams that, that you know, after Cloud Era, after ArcSight, you're, you're like, okay, I want to focus on this element. And, you know, maybe that was part of the inspiration for sort of uh, being the leader that, that you've uh, so uh, cared for in your career, which is a leader that's cared for you. But anything that's different now, as you come into Cloudera from an intention perspective, than you are coming into Snowflake than you did at Cloudera uh, before.
1: Yeah, I love this question um, because at all the other companies I built teams. Uh, again, I did it from the ground up, where I chose all the individuals. I, uh, you know, it was my culture. I built yeah. a team based on what I. Hope, thought, and believed would be the best, and um, in a lot of cases, they did become great teams. And I still have great connections and friendships, and fell in love with these teams. Something uh, quite different when you draft into a company that's already at scale, over 2,000 employees, into an organization that already has a you know 100 individual contributors and managers and second-line managers. They've already built uh, a culture. And it's not mine. Um, They already have a communication uh, uh, motion and rhythm. And um, what did happen, though, is the the global leader of the the SDR team at Snowflake um, decided to make a career change. And she left to become a quarter-carrying sales rep in the beginning of the year. And it created a vacuum, if you will, in leadership Hmm. on the team and uh, without decisive uh, visionary leadership at the top, which there always was, uh, you know, people started to, I don't want to say take advantage, but they started to look at the team differently and they started to make asks of the team that probably never would have happened had there been a, a leader there. And so what I decided to do is I wanted to draft into this company and not, you know, on day one start managing and start leading. Instead, I decided I'm going to take a full month, I'm not going to have one on ones I'm not going to manage, I'm just going to get to know those around me that my team supports. And huh. you know, SDR teams support, you know, quota uh, carrying field sales. So I went around the horn and met all of the various leaders uh, in the Asia Pacific region in the region in the north and uh, the east and west regions, and just got to know them and Tried to understand from when, what do they like about the SDR function and role? What did they receive? Did they like it? Where are, so I just filled my bag of learnings that others (laughs) had had. And that allowed me to get to know my team even better because it wasn't from them. It was from the people that they'd been supporting. Um, And I slowly started to then manage and lead as I got into month two, which I'm in right now. Um, and you know, I, I, did two other very cool things. I decided to do a global survey and I got my management team together and we created a 10 minute, uh, you know, survey monkey survey where we pulled every single global seller at snowflake and asked them really open, honest questions about what they thought about the SDR that they were huh. assigned and what they thought about the, the organization. And, um, You know, give us some wins that you've had with the team and give us some epic fails. And man, did we learn. And even the, you know, as we share the results internally, I think everyone got a a real good dose of, wow, there's some really bright spots, but there's also some, you know, there's some hair growing on this thing. And we need to, uh, uh, we need to pitch and ditch some, uh, not necessarily people, but habits. Um, (laughs) And then the other thing I did is I, uh, created a contest, a global contest. I had learned that uh, our SDR is an APJ region and managers there had never interacted with EMEA and North American personnel. And so we created this global tournament, kind of like a, a March Madness um, bracketology. And uh, I paired a North American SDR with an EMEA SDR with an APJ SDR. And we now have this five-week uh, tournament going on, and it's created a lot of really cool visibility for the team, but the output will be uh, an incredible number of new logo meetings that are set for the, the sellers out there, and I'll be able to show uh, the output of this, what this contest has had, and it's guess what? It's also brought the team closer together. We've got some right. visibility up to the sea level, and it's brought the team together, and we're gelling and there's excitement, and people, you know, want to get up and uh, and get after it. Uh, so, um, you know, seven weeks in, and uh, I'm, I feel like a little kid. Uh, uh, totally.
0: It's uh, it's a cool way to sort of end because, you know, one of the one of the learnings from Xerox that sort of plays in, and maybe you thought about this, maybe you didn't, but just as I hear you say that is the notion of communication, how important that is, the wins and the losses. And what did you do when you came in? You wanted to not lead and not start saying, here's what we need to change, but let's get communication open. Where were wins, where were losses? Let's start to be open about what's working and what's not and start to bring the team together to know that there's people around them that care. And so it's really neat to see even the stuff that you learned 34 years ago, come back full cycle into, you know, uh, one of the hottest... Uh, you know, IPO companies today. So um, really need to see that play out. And I'll, I'll definitely be excited watching the next couple weeks and, and, and months. So I have one question uh, before, we, before we head out and end the show today. Um, and the whole goal here is to, is to leave one actionable tip. And, you know, this could be a philosophy that you have, Lars. It could be, uh, you know, the way that, I don't know, you clean your desk when you leave every day. It could be how you start your day something that you do that's had the biggest impact on your productivity, your team's productivity, and that could be at work or it could be at home?
1: You know, I, I love the question, but I'm going to take it in a slightly different path because um, my 34 years career in the last 25 being in the Valley and having some of the most exciting experience did not come Uh, without loss. Uh, And I have, uh, you know, lost personally, I've lost uh, on the family front. And, uh, you know, you know, we we right now, you know, in this new era that we've all grown up in, emotional health and mental health has become front and center. Um, And while I am, I feel like I am hitting on all cylinders physically, emotionally, mentally, uh, today, that wasn't always the case. And, you know, I can look back at many of the teams I built, and how much energy that took, and how much travel around the world that took, and it took focus and attention away from what truly should be my focus and attention, and that is what is at home. And mm-hmm. so, what I what I do now uh, every day, and I have two kids, uh, two adult kids. Uh, they've now both graduated, and they're in college. And so I'm an empty nester, but. You know, my years as a father um, were the best I've ever had, but there's no doubt that I miss days. Uh, I, and I miss out on being uh, the most present father that I could be. I was not the most present father I could be um, because of the competing priorities. Um, to, you know, I did get a chance to coach Little League. I got a chance to coach. I got a chance to do all those things that you dream of as a father. But I would say to the audience that. And what I do is at least once a day, if it's not my daughter, it's my son. And I call them at the end of the day because it it instantly takes the rest of the day or the week out of my brain. Because now I'm just, because every day they're having a new experience and I want to hear about hmm. it. And so what I do at the end of every day is I connect with a family member. And currently it's either my brother, my aging mother. Or my two get? And that, for me, I guess connects me to what I think, and maybe I should have done more of in the, you know, in the heat of battle in between my late 20s and my early 40s, where, you know, I was building all these teams and uh, slaying it on the work front. Um, I yeah. don't necessarily believe that I was slaying it on the home front, and I have to carry that. Uh, but I'm doing better, and uh, I'm a better father. I'm a better brother. I'm a better son. Um, and I want to continue
0: to be. I mean, it, that that point, and and I think it's just such an important topic to dig into is how, what is this balance or harmony that different people talk about between work and home, and and it is incredibly difficult. And and what I hope is more leaders like you coming forward, talking about it openly, like you you're we're doing now, and being able to say, you know, we don't necessarily have all the answers. But, you know, your perspective is there's a way to change it. And the one small thing is just get on the phone with them at the end of the day and call those people that you care about. I think I've maybe shared this on an episode before, but um, sort of similar to that, one super small thing i found that has a just outsized impact on how I feel is, you know, let's say I'm going into a big customer meeting or going into a big team meeting or something I'm, I'm anxious or nervous about. I just take a minute out before and whether it's family or it's someone who's helped me, just sending them a thank you email, <laughs> uh, you know, and saying, here's the impact you've had on my life. Thank you for doing that um, and being able to, to have those vulnerable moments. And I think it's just, it's, it's rare, but I, I love that idea of like, just call the people that you love in your life that matter to you and hear about what they did, show that you care and do that every day. Uh, it's something we can all do. So I appreciate that. All right, Lars, well, thank you again for the time. You've got so much on your plate, and uh, it means so much to to us and to our listeners that you're able to carve some time out for us. So thank you.
1: Right on. Thanks, Jeff.
0: To learn more about how we work with sales organizations to drive measurable improvements in revenue, productivity, and well-being, head over to our website at RyeScience.com. Now, if you're an individual interested in using sleep to get more out of your day, you can download our app, Rise, on any app store, iOS, or Android. You can also email me at jeff@risescience.com at to discuss anything you heard on the show today or to nominate a great guest. We'd love to hear from you. The Rise Science podcast is produced by Candace Kahn and Lola Feiger. Music in today's episode is by Blue Dot Sessions. And thanks to the entire Rise Science team for their help with writing and research. I'm Jeff Kahn. I'll talk to you next time. Sleep well.